0: Emily and I, we, we, well, really, not Emily and I, I like to scare my wife. Now, I was told not to scare a pregnant woman because that can come back and really get you there. But but I still, when I have an opportunity to, to jump out or startle my wife, something like that, I, I think it's funny. She hates it. I love it. And so I like the reaction, and so I don't know if many husbands out there do that same thing or whatever. But I know each uh, couple has their own weird things or whatever they do. This is one thing that I do. And so the other night, I was at my friend's 30th birthday party so we had a surprise party for him and when we were leaving the party Emily had to work the next day so she was leaving a little bit earlier and so I probably left about three minutes behind her and so I was walking out the driveway and the street is just pitch black dark and so I thought to myself this is a prime opportunity so I see her car to the right Of the uh, road and so I just start sprinting down the road like an idiot and so I sprint down the road I get up to her car I hit the window with my left hand I grab the door with my right I open up the door and realize it's not my wife and so I, I look down there and it was one of the other girls from the party and I just I sold it I went hey you're not my wife she's like no I'm not And you're not my roommate. And I was like, well, have a good night. You know, I was trying to get her or whatever. Joke's on me now. Have a good night. And so I thought, oh, my gosh, that was crazy. I don't know if that really can be tied into anything. I just wanted to kind of share that with you. But as we start off the new year, there are going to be so many decisions that we make. And when we look at the decisions that we make, there are going to be many that we start, but we do not finish. And this time of year at the gym, you often hear Eric talk about this as well, is that this is probably my least favorite time to go to the gym because for the next two months, there's going to be so many people there, but when March hits, that's the best time because everybody just stays on home. See, we live in a world with a lot of people that we get excited about certain things and we want to start something. But what we need more of are people who are willing to finish the things that they start. And as we look at this passage of Scripture today, we're going to be in James chapter 1, specifically looking at verses three—I mean 2 through 4. And in this passage today, what we are going to see are followers of Christ who have started something. And what they started was their relationship with Christ. But what we are seeing here is there is something that is taking place in their world that is called persecution. See, when we look at the context of this passage, what we see here is that James is the author of this book. And James was the leader of the church of Israel. He was specifically the leader of the church of the twelve tribes. And what we see here in verse 1 is that these twelve tribes have been dispersed among the area because they are fleeing because of the persecution that has been impounded on them by Rome. Now, it's hard for us to really grasp that in this life in which we live, but when we look around the world, we realize that there is still this type of persecution that is taking place. We can look on the news, we can see what's happening in Syria as Christians are being killed. We can look over in Egypt several years ago, and even not uh, too far uh, past, we saw that there are Christians who who were killed because of their faith. And so we see that this is still happening, but what God wants us to see in this passage is is not necessarily what is taking place, but how we are to react to the things that are taking place around us. And specifically today, what I want us to look at is this word doubt and really answer the question, what do I do when I begin to doubt the decisions I make? When I was a kid, one of the things that I was taught was when you do start something, when you are committed to something, that that you finish it. You know, when you you start to lead something, if you sign that contract or or you're committed to do something, you you follow that through until your commitment ends. You know, as I was a kid, I I really enjoyed playing sports. That was something that I did, but I remember this specifically. When I was in the first grade, I was doing um, Boy Scouts. And uh, nothing against Boy Scouts, I really do have a lot of respect for them, but I didn't necessarily enjoy that. And as my friends were starting to play sports a little bit more, I realized that I kind of wanted to be more on that crowd of things. But what I started, I remember this, my dad said that you are going to finish it. I wanted to quit right in the middle of doing it, but he said, no, if you start something, you are going to finish See, as we look at this passage today, what I want us to understand is this, is that we need more finishers. No matter what is going on around you, we have got to be willing to endure the trials. We've got to be willing to endure the tribulation. And today, what I hope is that we can look at a couple things in the scripture that will help you have the perspective that you need in order to understand what it is God wants to teach you to get through these trials, James writes in verse 12 in chapter 1, he says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. What we see is that there is hope in the end. No matter what happens to us in this life, what we understand is that there is hope in what is to come. So we look towards the hope as our focal point. But what we've got to realize is that that may be our focal point. It still doesn't mean that we are not going to endure things in this life. And so as a result of looking at the things we endure, how are we to react to that? So if you have your Bibles, let's look at James. we will be in chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. I'll read it now. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. How do I get through the trials of doubt in my life? When maybe the world is trying to test me in the things which I believe, when the world is trying to tell me another way, but I know that Christ is the way that I need to follow, how do I get through these trials in my life? The first thing is simply this, is that we have got to see the big picture. We look here in verse 2, it says here, To count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now that's a big oxymoron to me when you look at that passage and you realize, okay, trials don't normally equate to joy. If I'm looking for joy, I'm not going to go out and try to have a tribulation take place in my life. But see, through Christ we understand that we can still have joy it's all a matter of perspective see when we see the big picture what we realize is we serve a big god and what we realize is that god was not meant to be placed in a box but oftentimes we try to place our god in a box and when we do that what we see is only a clouded lens of christianity where god really intends for us to see a global perspective of christianity See, there are people all around the world today who are worshiping the same God that we are worshiping. But oftentimes we can get so cynical in our mind and think that we only worship that God here. Now we can only come together at Village Church. We can only come together in South Carolina. We can only come together in the United States. But we forget that God is so much bigger than that. We serve a global God, a God that this world cannot even hold together. A God who created this world with His very words. That is our God. Our God is huge. Our God is big. Therefore, we must pray big. Therefore, we must think big. Therefore, we must ask God to do big things because He is big. And when we understand that we have a big God, the little things in this life don't seem to be as difficult. The petty things that we try to look at and, and think of as trials, they don't begin to seem so big after all. This past year, seen all over Instagram, all over Facebook, all over Twitter, everybody, 2016, worst year ever, blah, 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 I'm sitting there where they have the wrong perspective. See, this past year was a great year for me. This past year, I got to watch students give their life to Christ. Not too long ago, we got to baptize about 14 people here in this sanctuary. We have seen God do great things in this church this year because we believe in a big God. But we also know that God is not through. And so I look back on this year and I say, thank you, God, for what you have done. But personally, in my own life, God has given me a child this year. So that is something that we have rejoiced in. But see, during this process of having a child, God had to bring me and my wife through a trial which ultimately grew us closer together to each other, but it also grew us closer together to Him. See, we haven't really talked about this, but but we had a hard time having a kid. Now, I know that there are many who have had a harder time than really we had, but we were at the point where we were taking, or she was taking, I wasn't taking anything. I was good. All right, so she was taking a medication for for the child and and trying to make sure that everything was okay. And so she was going to the doctor and and, and, and getting all the help that she needed. And so we were kind of taking that step-by-step process. Now during that time I was trying to be what most guys are and, and, and act like it really didn't bother me and I was trying to be strong ultimately for her and I just was really creating some type of pride in my life what I didn't realize is what she was wanting to see was the, the vulnerability of me as well realizing that I was struggling through this as much as she was but let me tell you what really helped me as I looked at what we were going through and really gathered the perspective that I believe God was wanting me to have it turned for me one morning. I got out of the shower, I was getting ready, and I just fell on my knees. I fell on my knees and I just started crying. I started crying because here I am, a helpless husband, not knowing what to do for my wife, wanting to help her, wanting to be strong in this situation, wanting to do what is right, but I realized that I can't do anything. But it was in that moment of what the world looks like as weakness was when I began to be strong. Because it was in that moment of humility, in that moment of prayer, that moment of sobbing, that God said, you're seeing it all wrong. And we look at chapter 1, verse 12, and and what it says there, it says, that blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, listen here, it says, which God has promised to those who love him. Key word in that passage is the word promised. What I realized through this trial which I was going through was that God always fulfills his promises. If you look at the scripture, when God says he's going to do something, guess what he does? He does it. It's easy for us to think sometimes that he's not going to because what we do is we try to base our view on God based off of human feelings. And and we look at how people have failed us and so we just assume that God will also do so. But when we look at the scripture, we realize that God never fails. If he fails, then he's not God. His promises are true. Yesterday, today, and forever. I realize that when I'm reading the Gospels, and when Jesus is making the blind see, when He is healing the dead, when He is allowing the lame to walk, that that same God is in control of the child, and which one day I will have. So what did I do? I started praying differently. Rather than praying prayers based off of worry, I started praying prayers based off of praise. I started saying, God, thank you for the child that you're going to give me. Thank you for the baby that one day you will give me and my wife. Now, here's the thing. I knew that that baby might not come through conception. But this I knew is that God would, regardless, allow us to have a child through adoption that one day I would be a father, but I didn't know how. So rather than worrying about how, I just needed to start praising. In July, we went up to Boston, and when we were up in Boston, Uh, Emily did not refill her medication. And so uh, we were kind of at that point realizing, oh, my goodness, didn't do this. And so she called the doctor. The doctor said, you know what, don't worry about it. Uh, You'll just go ahead and we can refill it uh, when you get back, and we'll just get it for August. So just don't worry about the month of July. Here's how God works. She got pregnant in July. Now, I'm not saying that that story is for, for everyone. God works in different ways, but that's how he worked for us. It was a trial nonetheless. No, was it trial of death? No, it was not. Was it a trial of, of persecution which, which the, the people were facing in the book of James? No, but it was a trial nonetheless. See, here's the thing. That in our trials, regardless of what they are, we still must have perspective. And the perspective is simply this. As the psalmist writes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. My God is with me. See, the key to that is understanding that God gets us through the valley. The life in which we live, this is the valley, but the hope in which we will endure one day is the hope of getting through the valley. And the promise that God gives us is not that He is going to prevent the things of this life from happening to us, but God says, I will walk beside you, I will walk before you, and I will be behind you every step of the way. And as God led the Israelites out of slavery, He wants to do so in your heart today. And as you step into this new year, God is calling for you to do great things. But let me tell you this much, church, it begins with perspective. The perspective that we serve a big God and in obedience to following Him, we can and will do big things. So we see No matter what the trial, because of Christ, we can have joy. But we also see that what comes as a result of trials, in the end, is something positive. So we overcome doubt by having a big perspective. The other thing that we look at here is that we've got to look at the trials as a means of something positive in that trials create toughness. Verse 3 says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So what we see here is that the trials in which we face in this life are ultimately going to make us stronger. They're going to make us better. Now for those of you who are athletes, you know that one of the things that every athlete hates to do is conditioning. But at the end of the day, it's the toughness you endure that is ultimately going to make you better Yeah, like at school and i hear this all the time from students you know complaining about homework and i'm right there with them you know i sit there and do the same thing as i'm going through seminary i'm sitting there thinking why are they making us read this why are they making us do that but here's the thing rather than asking why what we've got to do is we've got to just face it head on and realize that through what we are enduring it is ultimately going to make us better so we look at it with the right perspective, and we understand that the trials which we face create toughness. Yes, you know, it's, it's ball season. You know, we're getting close to a national championship, getting close to the Super Bowl. Or it's football, baby. That's what I'm talking about. All right, I love it. I finally got an amen. All right, so I look at football, and one of my favorite athletes is man Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow and I got a problem right now because his new book is is shaken, and so we'll work out all the copyright infringement with that, with our student ministry being also shaken. Uh, So we're working on all that. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to sue Tim Tebow. That would be crazy, all right? He would come and literally kill me. So anyways, I digress. But with Tim Tebow, what you may remember is this. In 2007, they played Ole Miss, and that year they had a goal of going undefeated. Now, in that year and in that game, they got beat. And some of you may remember the press conference which Tim Tebow had, because I believe it was through that trial that ultimately gave them the drive and ultimately gave him the drive to impact his teammates to go on to win the national championship. So let's check out this uh, press conference that Tim Tebow had. And uh, I just want to say one thing um, to the fans and everybody in Gator Nation. I'm sorry, um, extremely sorry. You know, we were hoping for an undefeated season. That was my goal, something the floor never done here. But I promise you one thing, a lot of good will come out of this. You have never seen any player in the entire country play as hard as I will play the rest of the season, and you never see someone push the rest of the team as hard as I will push everybody the rest of the season, and you never see a team play harder than we will the rest of this season. God bless. Had he not gone through that trial, the Sleeping Giant might have never woken up. What happened as a result is they went and they steamrolled the rest of the competition and went on to the national championship, beating Oklahoma by over 20 points. So what we saw there is that Tim Tebow did not allow a trial, a conflict, something in his life to bring him down. Rather, he learned from it. He allowed it to create toughness in him and he went forward. See, here is the thing. We serve a forward God. The only time that we move backwards in this life are on science fiction movies. It does not work that way. We are constantly moving forward. So why should we uh, shackle ourselves to live in the past when we serve a forward God? You know, as we step into this new year, whatever happened in 2016, whether it be good or bad, we take those things, we learn from it, we build from it, but we are constantly moving forward. God does not intend for the hard times in our life to be a crutch, Instead, he wants to use them for his glory and see what he can do. And so my challenge for you is this, as you are facing trials, as you are facing doubt, as you are facing those things that are coming in your life or maybe a part of your life, I want you to realize that our God is a forward God. And if we follow him through the valley, we must forwardly follow our Savior. But the last thing that we see here and the thing that I really want to just be completely honest with you about today is this. As we look at doubt, I want you to realize it's okay to doubt. It's okay. You know, oftentimes we, we hear about doubt and we think of it as being almost like this, this cuss word within the church, that, that we can't doubt, that we can't have questions. But the reality is, is that doubt is good. It's, it's not doubt that is the issue. It's what we do with doubt that can become a problem. See, what we look at is in the life of James is that James doubted. James was a skeptic. The reason why James was skeptical is because James was the half-brother of Jesus. He grew up with them. Could you imagine growing up in that home you know, Mary saying, why can't you be more like your brother? She thanks a lot, Mom, that's the Son of God we're talking about. I you mean, know, it just, that would be very difficult growing up in that home. You know, from a complete human perspective, because the reality is this, is that James did not see his brother as being the Son of God. Not until he saw him walk away from death. And when he saw that Jesus was the resurrected God, he followed. You know why he followed? Because he saw truth and he sought truth. See, in moments of doubt in our life, what do we do? We respond to it by seeking truth for the sake of knowing truth. This culture tries to tell us to seek truth by feeling Now, there's certain ways that we feel, and and those feelings are not necessarily good. There's things that the Bible tells me to do that I don't necessarily feel like doing. I don't necessarily feel like serving others all the time. But the Bible tells me I need to do that, and as a result, ultimately, there are blessings that come. It was my freshman year of college, and I was driving back up from Columbia going up to uh, North Greenville University, and as I was down uh, one of the roads there, it was pouring down rain. As you can imagine, just a summer uh, rain shower here in South Carolina, and you could hardly see in front of you. As I was driving down the street, I look over to my left, and I see this guy on the side of the road. It looked like he messed up his ankle. His bike was on top of him, and he was just laying there. And I drove past him, and immediately, I heard this voice just say, you need to go back and I was sitting there thinking no I'm not going back are you crazy and so I'm sitting there having this debate with God in my car and I'm just like, I'm not going back to this guy he, somebody else will come you know, somebody else will come see my feeling was telling me just go on back go get something to eat hang out with your roommates and just go into bed and have a good night but I knew that God was telling me based on his word that we are to put others above ourselves to go back and to help that guy this probably was about a a two minute uh, thought process that I was having, and then I turned around, and when I got back to where this person was, nobody was there. Now, I don't know what that was all about. I don't know if that guy was an angel, very well could be, I don't know if that was a guy that was there, he crawled off, I don't know if somebody else picked him up within the like five minutes that took place during that whole situation. But this I know is is that God wanted a response from me that required obedience. And as I look at this passage today, as I look at doubt, and I look at how we are to respond, it really is solidified by the one word, and that is obedience. God simply wants us to obey his word. God simply wants us to obey it, seeking the truth, growing in truth. And if we do that, we'll overcome a lot of trials. There are many practical ways for you to be able to get involved in growing in truth. One of those we talked about is V-groups. We talk about it all the time. The reason why we talk about it all the time is because it's important. There's many who run from community. And when you run from community, you ultimately hurt yourself. How do we grow in truth? Well, we have that community that we can ask questions. We have leaders there that can help answer those questions. We have staff here that want to talk to you. We're here because we love you. We're not here because we're getting paid a lot. We're here because we care, because God has called us. Because we love you. So seek those opportunities. And be obedient to what God is telling you to do. And if you do that, I promise you this, the response will be big. Because when we are obedient, that big God we talked about will do big things. I don't know where you are. I don't know how God wants you to respond, but you do. Inside your bulletin, there's a connection card. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song of praise as we conclude this service. We're going to sing How He Loves. As we sing that song, I want you to think about how much God loves you as we cry that out over and over again, how He loves us, how He loves us. The poetic picture in the lyrics about God coming and loving us so much. Respond to that love today. It may be that you need to get involved here to do big things in 2017. There are plenty of things to be done here in this church. And it takes people to do that. If God is calling you, then just just step out. Just serve. Matthew, I don't really know where that is. I don't really know what to do. Let me ask you this. What are you passionate about? In those moments when we are here and we're singing and we're praising God, in that moment of prayer, maybe that moment of conviction in a message, what is it that God is really just putting on your heart? Respond to that. If you enjoy a certain thing, respond to that. It may not be in that connection card, but put on there, I like this. And there will probably be an opportunity for you to serve in that way. Don't hold back from the great things God wants you to do because you're scared or because you don't think he can use you. Because all throughout scripture, he's used the worst of the worst. If he can use a murderer, if he can use an adulterer, if he can use a prostitute, he can use you. So respond to him as he leads you in what it is that he wants you to do.